I was quite a shy and introverted child, but I was oddly completely comfortable kind of being on a stage in front of loads of people. You can't force perspective. Yeah. You can't, if you're doing theatre, you can't make people always look at the thing that you always want them to look at. And I think you have to be completely okay with the fact that, therefore, people can completely miss the point. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Duncan. Hello, Duncan. Hello, Duncan. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to stop laughing when I ask that question and suddenly we're in a podcast uh, and it's sort of like all formal. What all slipped into Always makes me laugh, yeah. yeah. So the first question that I ask everybody is how do you know me? I know you because you were at university with uh, my friend Matt, with whom I was at Youth Theatre. That's right. Back in Northern, about 20 years ago give or take <laughs> a few and yeah I kind of known you from shows that you you have done with him that I've been to see and also latterly since everyone has gravitated to London yeah uh, just hung out a few times that's right and you wrote some scripts I think for a review show that we did uh, in our me and Matt's theatre company that we started in did I? I think you did yeah I don't know if you came down for it or not but we had your scripts there was one about a what was it? Oh, I should say we're in the Royal Festival Hall, so that's why you, we're by the lift, so it's it the quietest place, but then it'll be periodically people will come yeah. out of the lift. But, um, but no, yeah, you, one of them was about a uh, South American dictator sort of situation to do with, I can't exactly oh remember, God, but it was notes. like an Evita sort of yeah, sketch. Yeah, it was, it was a pun yeah, based. trying to enjoy the revolution. That's while. right. That's right. Oh, it's, um, that's topical, isn't it? That's right. There was one, and then there was an, there was another one oh, as well. I, can't, I don't know if I can remember the other one, but yeah, there was two sketches that we had. Of that was a right that sketch actually. I well, the other one must have been fairly good. It was quite funny to watch because the two people who were doing it. One was Marlene, who <coughs> was like a a Greek girl, so yeah, it, and she's very funny. And then it was the other one was my my friend Clive, who studied studied Spanish and and yeah. fact is 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 is, he is quite a good English. But, linguist but he also fancies himself a bit of one so uh that it was quite a funny sketch with those two Aww. they kind of got to levels of ridiculousness that was very enjoyable to watch oh fantastic but yeah no so that's when i first first came across you was a, as a name on a nice. on a piece of writing which oh, is oh yeah well this is this is all right this which is probably yeah probably a, yeah. it's probably quite relevant to the rest of this conversation yeah, i should think oh that's lovely i have no idea so yeah, so you were in a youth a youth theatre with Matt. Yeah. I mean, did you did you guys run that? Is that right? Or oh no no no! This you was... just were. That's right. Matt ran a different thing later. So well, you... he he uh, kind of set up the what we might call the spin off. There were three drama students, Paul, Ellis, and Carolyn, who who ran it out of the uh, the youth centre. And it was me and Matt and a number of other people, mainly better known to Matt actually, because they all went to Dyson Parents, which was the of the two high schools in Northern was the arty one. I went to the Chase, which was more like the technical college. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't know very many people there kind of at all and got kind of adopted in, in, in a funny way. But a lot of people that kind of knew each other fairly well. So there, that was, that was how that started up. And then he started up, I think, a summer one kind of by himself. And that was the first one that he did, and that was maybe after, after about a year or two, maybe, about... 15, 16, I guess. 
opera it's called Summer Holiday Youth Theatre because he's a massive child S-H-Y-T everyone um but it was it was it was good. I don't I don't know if I ever actually did anything with that to be fair for reasons that totally escaped me. That was what he did, I think. And then obviously as he moved on, that was clearly something that inspired him a lot. And he went on to establish more things, companies, just people, just just galvanising people to do stuff. Yeah, it's like a, a, a producer, a natural yes. producer. Yes, which absolutely. is why I mean, probably people like me and you gravitate towards him because yeah. you know all, all writers need a need a producer. I have crazy ideas. Yeah. You also have crazy ideas, but also you're very good at getting yeah. things done. You make them work yeah. in a practical way. Mm. That's what I always uh, admired about him. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that me and him did together was a, was a play I'd written that was a bar crawl, and he yes. said, why don't we do it as a bar crawl? And that's the kind Across of brilliant... Across the various, yeah. the various bars in the various campuses of... Lancaster. Yeah, well, the, well, it was yeah. one campus, but it's loads of bars on yeah, that campus, yeah, yeah. so it's the perfect setup. Really, mm. you haven't got, and, and and of course they're all student bars, so they're all prepared to to, to let people do crazy yeah. things in them. Unlike you know, if we were to do a, a number find of a, pubs might yeah, be problematic. Yeah, if yeah. we tried to do it in Soho in London, which I would actually like to do someday, it would be a real logistical nightmare. Yeah. He's got a kind of gift for coming up with the kind of idea that connects your writing to the people, yes. if you like. It sounds maybe patronising, but it's it's true and no, it is. It is meant as a compliment. Exactly, yeah, it's exactly that. So you you were in youth theatre. Mm. Were you attracted there because of the acting part of it? And did the writing come later, or did it, or have you? Never writing been definitely came later. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think thinking back, it's funny actually because I I happened to mention to someone today the first thing, and it always reminded me of it. The first thing I ever wrote that was on stage was. Uh, an extra scene that for some reason the director of a production of Grease that we were doing at the Chase uh, thought was necessary to lead into a song I don't know why this was deemed to be necessary but it, it was done and I did it um, and I, I was in that production and I kind of, I don't know, I don't know why I'd got into acting the first thing I was in was I Want to Love You More um, which is, is in something that I've kind of moved away from just kind of artistically I don't know, I think mainly it was actually because I thought well I quite like acting Bizarrely enough, like I was quite a shy and introverted child, but I was oddly completely comfortable kind of being on a stage in front of loads of people. As someone else. Though. As Yeah, exactly, exactly, in, in a context that wasn't that. So actually the idea of doing that in a context that wasn't school, where it was, if you like, more, you know, where it was more embarrassing in that sense, was quite attractive. And, you know, then you're doing it kind of as a, as a group of, if you like, a group of people that have that in common. So yeah. it's a bit more unifying, and I kind of, I'd kind of moved into writing when we started creating shows, which we eventually did. I kind of moved into the creating of that, and that was quite fun. I like the sensation of hearing people doing words that I've read. It's just quite nice. It's, yeah, it's wicked. So I think that was that was how I, that started. Really, we were in about oh god, seven or eight, somewhere like that. Was between me joining and when I, I actually left, I don't know, around about A-level sort of time, I think, possibly a bit later. That was how I got into the entire business, and it's always baffled my family slightly, because there's no obvious artistic temperament to them in that sense. And did you write before that, or it actually came through the, through <coughs> the drama group? Had I written before that? I used to write a lot of, a lot of little stories at uh, primary school. They were nearly always about birds... <laughs> or mythical creatures in some way or ghosts actually the more I think about it I wrote I, I wrote this really really weird and quite uh, gory story about this, this these ghosts on a submarine 
that were Nazis uh, when I was in primary school. Classy. Yeah. Um, it was based on the story of uh, UB65. It was. It wasn't actually. To be fair, it wasn't actually a Second World War, but it was a First World War one that had that got a massive reputation for being haunted. It's kind of like the Great Eastern of the German U-boat fleet in the First World War. Like basically had loads of accidents, loads of people died on it. People claim they saw ghosts on it, and it just kind of passed into legend. And eventually, blew up just in the sea for no reason. So there we are. Um, Captivated the young mind. It did. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And since the, since then, basically, I read far too many things about about ghosts and mythical creatures and stuff like that but yeah that, that kind of started there and I, I used to write a lot of short things like that that I thought were terrific I used to write poems as well like four line poems that rhymed which I was immensely proud of yeah <laughs> which I don't really do anymore I've just kind of I, I don't know I've not really kind of engaged with poetry since which is a bit of a shame really because I know a lot of people yeah. including yourself who do well I do I did <coughs> I, I think for a lot of us though writers like poetry is almost what a phase or a, like mm. a thing that you go through you work out yeah. what you look what you can learn from doing yeah. poetry is very good mm. but I take that and I mean if I if I write poetry now it's song lyrics and that's yeah. a different a different discipline but yes, definitely it's, it's, it's it came, a sort of a lyricism that is similar but it's a completely different outlet in yeah. that sense but you can save a forced rhyme in a song by giving it a good melody yeah <laughs> you can't yeah. there's nowhere to go on a page uh, no no unless you do with a lot of irony <laughs> yeah um I mean, I guess I think at times of great emotional trauma or whatever, I probably write poetry mm. still. But yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I have no interest particularly in in poetry, mm. like as a as a career path. Yeah, yeah. partly because there isn't really a career in it. Uh, so I'm so, for well, a lot of people, apart from performance poetry, I think there's a really strong yes. uh, performance poetry stuff, and I work with a lot of those people now. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, if you're a poet listening to this, mm. I'm supportive of you, even though I made a crack about yeah, yeah, your yeah. future career. Uh, you, I'm sure you can bring poetry back. It also kind of implies that all most other forms of literature, you know, they pay fairly well, really, as it goes. Uh, yeah, none of them easy to break yeah, into. That's right. Which is, is obviously. Well, this cool. is the ridiculous thing about yeah. um, creativity in general. Mm. Like, a lot of the ways. Like, I was thinking the other day, like, you know, obviously, I, I want to write, you know, plays and I want, mm. I want to write novels and I want to do that sort of thing. I want to make films and yeah. various things. And, and kind of almost one of the ways I'm trying to get into a situation where I can do that is to make it as a podcaster which is yeah. equally as hard so you like you, yeah. you get into these situations where you're like huh to, to, to get into films I'll become a playwright and then I'll be discovered as a playwright and then I can move across to film and they're all yeah. just as hard you, you know it's, it's yeah exactly it's really and I, you know you don't make the jump of thinking well actually if I started if I really want to be to write screenplays maybe I should just start writing screenplays because you know what there's going to be a learning process yeah. rather than spending ages doing a form that's a little bit similar and then moving into another one that sort of is similar and yet at the same time is very different and then you learn it all over again and try to unlearn things that you've learned while trying to write plays quite well. Although that said, the the, the um, <coughs> I really enjoy the learning a new genre, sort of le- yeah. working out how how that that new art form works. Mm. You know, like you know, radio play versus stage mm. play. Like a a friend of mine was writing screenplays and he's just made one into a um, into a stage play yeah. and he gave it me to read and it was yeah. good. But I was like, you've got to think about physical bodies on in space. You yeah. Know? It, 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 and that's something that he wasn't thinking of because he'd been... And, and, I, and, I, and I was quite excited for him yeah. to be suddenly discovering the idea of bodies in space, you know, yeah. which, is not some, which is something, obviously, you, you know, you and I yeah. starting theatre in our teens, mm. 
we, that's where we started in a way is if we were the idea of blocking what does it stuff. look like yeah, what does know, it look like where, where are people yeah exactly so it's it's all got to be it's all got to look kind of sensible and then when you go from kind of writing you know from writing for the screen or writing for radio you're like okay basically bear in mind everyone can see everything all the time yeah um, so if someone's doing a thing think about what they're doing yeah, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to really, really regiment everything. everything but you need to kind of be aware. But yeah. think about it. We yeah. can't cut away from that person and just have them doing a thing for half an hour. And, and the other way around is really liberating as well. When mm. you when you go, oh, I'm used to writing a screenplay, but now I'm doing a radio play. Hang on, I can do anything because yeah. I can I can go to the moon now. That's I can do a scene on the moon. I can, have I can do anything. People we, do, we, we can have sound effects and yeah. people can double up and no one will know. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess the second question, which is always weird after I've had a conversation in between, but uh, yeah. the second question I ask is, what do you do now? Which probably dovetails a little bit into what we're talking about. What do I do? Yes, um, it's that horrible question at a party, especially for writers. Oh, um, <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm an administrator during the daytime for a hospice in Hackney, which is really interesting, actually. It's it's quite challenging. It's it's a role that's never existed before. It's fairly senior, so actually, it's it's the most challenging job I've had for a very long time, which is which is nice actually. But the the balance that they kind of asked me to strike there is actually rather good. You know, they they're very keen on kind of looking after their staff as as they kind of obviously would be. Yeah, uh, it's nice. It's a supportive environment, and I'm encouraged to learn and develop and you know make my own strategies for doing things. It's actually fairly rare as it goes. That's really rare in yeah. the public service. Is, yeah, yeah I mean, well, I'm, well, I mean, I'm it's it's, it's the thing is, it's it's a charity, so it's kind of in some ways got you know the best of both worlds. Like yes. that. So it's yeah. there's a lot of people from you know kind of in terms of nursing staff from like quite a public sector background, the NHS, but also kind of it's not run it's not run as a business, but there is kind of flexibility within everything. But I think and I think the interesting thing that sometimes happens is that a lot of people in there are used to working with kind of quite. A quite rigid way of of doing processes because they've all come from public sector basically mm-hmm. and I think the only kind of adjustment is when someone comes from that into somewhere where they actually have a lot more freedom to kind of work out what, what a process can be and how it works and one of the people I work for just the clinical governance lead tries to help them do that that's quite it's, 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 it's actually really interesting I've kind of organised events and I've coordinated like facilities installation and trustee meetings and so on it's, it's yeah how did you end up uh, in oh. admin in hospice it seems because um, I mean I don't know how you've been trying to do day jobs up till now you well know? Um, I never really to be honest for, for many years I never really kind of thought about what I was doing I just wanted to kind of do a thing that I quite liked while I was while I was trying to be a writer and that probably applied up until a few years ago uh, where I had a job that I did kind of there was no progression in and I didn't really enjoy and I kind of needed to get my head straight kind of after that and then drift, I kind of drifted into other things that were sort of not as bad but equally were not kind of what I ultimately wanted to do and then kind of uh, went into this really and this is almost like the most career focused kind of role that, that I've had really since since then because it has a lot of scope for development it has a lot of things that I've developed already and stuff I can build on basically so. It's an interesting thing as well as writers like there's, there's this kind of dual dual things of like what part of you is 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 drawn to the idea of of making as much time to write as possible mm. but there's also this whole thing of if you don't live it's hard to have anything to write about yeah you get distracted i think also actually like 
you get distracted by the fact that you haven't got any money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and this means you can't write because you're permanently stressed because you can't buy any food. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know when you're really malnourished and have no eating, you're slowly dying of exposure indoors. You don't really get a lot done. Um, but then they always say stay hungry, don't they? Some people do. They always say stay I, hungry, stay hungry. Exactly. I can't work like that. No, I don't I just think I can't. either. I think the thing is, it, it's mainly because like if I if I was to take like a week off specifically to do writing, to do nothing else, I would get proportionally less writing done than I would on the average work day. Because, you know, you kind of, you leave work, eat work at five, get back, what, about six, you have dinner, that's like, I don't know, let's say seven, eight o'clock, and it's like, well, I think I'll do it now. Yeah. You know, I like, that's, even if we say, like, I write solidly from eight until twelve, I don't. Um, <laughs> if, we, if we say that, that's like four hours. Yeah. That's probably enough time to get what you need to do done. And actually, I I need I need structure to kind of base the creativity around. If that makes sense. Yeah, there's a lot of writers like that. I know a lot. Yeah. Of them, yeah. I'm I'm I don't think I'm one of them. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely somebody. If I take a week off, I will get more writing done. Yeah. But then that that said, I, I guess I've got so many different projects yeah. that I do have structure in my life because I'm like I have mm. I've, I've got four hours to do this writing before yeah. I do that podcast. And then, I need, to, and then that, I need to edit this. And yeah, that'll take two exactly. Hours. So yeah. I make my own I make my own work. Yeah, well, yeah it's, it's the same principle mm, that I guess. Yeah, it's a similar thing. I mean, and you know, and I do have a day job too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's it's about what kind of works for you really, and and to say kind of that, that you must kind of spend all your time being a writer is essentially futile if that's going to mean you make compromises that stop you being able to live your life in a way that makes you so sad that you can't function like, yeah. as a human let alone so it's alright if you're Charles Bukowski and, and all you want to do is <clears throat> write about how depressed your life is yeah. but, it, but if you if you want to write about other things then you know probably exactly. do um, other things yeah if you want to write about having a hard life then yeah, have a hard life by yeah. all means um, <laughs> by fair means or foul um, but yeah I, I, I can't kind of do that and I I, I, I have I've, I finished a kind of a bunch of stuff fairly recently that is all stuff that is it's fairly lengthy and I think it's quite good and I've been like well I've done all this with a day job yeah so clearly to say empirically it can't be done is obviously wrong yeah um, well yeah. I, I wrote two novels with a day job like a yeah. l- longer you know longer hours before I moved to <coughs> London I mean it's, a, it's very hard to find time to write now because I've got all these other things mm. going on but but I, I mean, I definitely think you can write with a day job. Around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there's something about kind of if you like, you you go to work in something that maybe not be uh, very linked to it at all, and you kind of if you like, you have one hat on there, and you can have a good day's work or a frustrating day's work or whatever, and you come home, and you just go, ah, I get to make stuff up. This yeah. is fun. I can um, go anywhere now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there is there is something to be said for that. Would you say you're mostly a playwright? Mostly, yes, I am now. I can't really do. I can't really do prose. I really can't. I just get really. I I, I find I get quite bored by the description bits. Yeah. yeah. So otherwise, it just ends up being so short that it, I do like. I don't know, like kind of a fifth of a novel's worth of of of, of text in about two pages. Because I just get, I just get. Uh, 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 he said this, and then he said this, and then this, and, and I kind of what I basically end up doing is trying a film treatment. Yeah. Well, not not a film treatment, but it's sort of it's kind of like um, a bit like John Steinbeck, you know, oh, when right. it's sort of you look at it and you go, you can look at kind of a page from something like of Mice and Men, you go, that's a play text, 
No, yeah, it is because yeah, it's a line yeah, of dialogue, yeah. line of dialogue, line of dialogue, description of what happens, line of dialogue, line of dialogue, yeah, line of dialogue. Yeah, sure. That's why it's so easy to make that into a play. Yeah, it, yeah, because it sort of basically is. It doesn't yeah. diminish it as, as as a piece of prose. No, no. But that's just that's just what it's like. So I can't really do prose. I think plays. I had a meeting with someone actually recently, and they sort of said, you know, why, 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 why plays? Why kind of? Because it's it's almost a bit odd if it's not something that you've necessarily grown up with, which in many respects. It, New theatre aside, it kind of wasn't. No, <clears throat> not much theatre involved in. Well, no, there is there is the festival theatre. Um, isn't that a toilet or something? Isn't that? Oh no, 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 that's the theatre of small convenience. Okay. That only existed relatively late. I think it's I think it's still running. Bless it. Um, the smallest theatre in the world, or something. I think it. I think it, it claims to be. Yes, it is in a public toilet that is about. Not far off, probably the size of the table we're currently sitting on, <laughs> plus another half table. Wow! It seats about four people. Wow! And it does. There's with the bloke in it that does the public. Very small. And I think I think it might be the smallest permanent theatre. Like, yeah. Obviously, you can kind of have a pop-up one. Anywhere's a theatre. Yeah. yeah that, that's big enough for two people. The world is a stage. Yes. Yeah. Some guy said. Some, some um, insignificant guy that's been forgotten by history. Oh, in yeah. Idiot. Yeah, so so I suppose I like maybe this comes from kind of acting a bit. It's it's nice seeing the effects things have on people, both kind of immediately and over a period of time. But people like live experience. Yeah, as well. it's, it's really easy to for people to dismiss theatre because it's become quite an elitist kind of yeah. heart. That there is a gap between most people's lives and the theatre. Most people don't go to theatre. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that this experience of going to theatre isn't relevant to everybody no, potentially. No. It just means that there's some there's some there's a lot of things to overcome. Yeah. Let's say. I think you ask as well theatre asks if you like slightly more of people up front because if you if you see <coughs> someone down in front of Alien they're like, Oh it's a sci fi film. Okay, yeah. fine. Yeah. And and if, and you know if you're watching it on the screen, you're totally okay, basically, with literally anything that happens because it's obviously not real. If if you go to a theatrical space like uh, I did kind of this time more or less the time last year and I say, Right, uh, we're on an asteroid in the future and uh, there's two people talking in the kitchen that's in a house in some land that's all be terrified go um, <laughs> and that kind of yeah actually if, if people don't have like the, the experience of theatre that is quite a is a reasonable amount psychologically to ask of someone yeah. and but I think what happens with most people is that they kind of if you like, can once they get over, it, they're like, "Oh yeah, I totally believe that." And, 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 and that's and then they find it's incredible <coughs> they believed it when they were just in a room with some people at a table. And then anyway, people do <coughs> they like you know they like stand up comedians. Yeah. They like live music. They yeah. like uh, musicals, which mm. are you know as theatrical as they yeah, come. Exactly. In fact, they're more, more artificial. Yeah, 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 a musical is more theatre than most theatre. Yeah. But but it is a strange thing. I know myself as someone who writes plays. Um, I, I mean, I, when I first started out, I would have definitely said I was a playwright. Now uh, it's a bit more like I do a lot. I'm a jack of lots of trades. Hopefully, I'm yeah. getting to be a master of a I couple of a them. Maybe. I do some things that are performance. I do some things that are technical. Yeah. Or basically, all kind of could be loosely described as being performing arts oriented yeah. in some way. Yeah. Yeah. You had a, a, a time at an institution that I've always been trying to get to open the doors, but they've never oh, opened yeah. them for me yet. You were at the Royal Court, weren't you? I was. Yeah, that was that was that was that was interesting. Was it their um, their writing program? It was their young writers program when it was still the young writers program? Um, because I I was at that point twenty five precisely. <laughs> so I scraped under the bar by about as little as you could scrape under the bar by. 
I mean, I would say that I, when I lived in, I lived in Leeds for a couple of years before I moved to London, and the first writers' course I was ever on was at the West Yorkshire Playhouse. Oh wow! Um, Another great theatre to yeah, be exactly. It's yeah. like one of the best-rated regional ones, and so that was sort of more formative in a way because that was the first time someone had got me into a theatrical space and said, "Probably quite good at this. Have a go. Have a go at being good at it." And that was really, really fun. And then when I came to, I, I wrote. Uh, you know, there, there, I, there were a variety of things happened there, but one of the things I did was I wrote, I wrote a play that was three and a half hours long and had about 25 characters in it, which I then proudly presented to kind of Western Jewish and said, What do you think? And they were like, Yes. It's, 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 it's to be honest, it's, it's a little flabby. Yeah, it is, of course, it's three and a half hours long, 25 characters, you bet your ass it's flabby. And then I moved down to London and I, I think I sent that play to the World Court and uh, they, they quite liked it and they invited me on which was lovely and it was a very different experience because at the West Coast House there were about five or six of us so it was if you like it was a lot more intimate and you felt more involved what was going on World Cup probably there were about a dozen and you kind of had uh, sessions every I think Monday evening so in that sense it was a bit less personal but obviously I, I compare this with another one I had before that that was my first one and which gave me more possibly yeah. more personal attention so yeah, in some ways yeah. it's not in some ways it's a little bit of an unfair comparison but it was quite interesting because you'd, you'd get people coming in and you know you'd get kind of if you like workshops on various things you get to see plays uh, and kind of work on different bits of technique that people have not necessarily that might suit you but part of the point of that is that you just learn about you know how, how you work and what you want to write about and the way in which you want to do it and oddly enough, I actually came out of the Royal Court with, with quite kind of, not like irre- irretrievably fixed, but very strong ideas about what it was that I wanted to do. Right. And what I wanted to write about and stuff that would make me happy. And actually that was, that was quite important as well. It was like kind of me thinking, well, if I went to the theatre, would I want to see this? And so was it a reaction against what you saw at the Royal Court? Or, well, was it, or was it like in line with what they were suggesting? Or was it a mixture of both? Well, I, I think they, they would say, oh, we don't, we don't kind of suggest anything. A lot of people say that. Though. Well, which, well, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, of course you would. You, you have to be quite ballsy to say, yes, basically, uh, our agenda is this. Green. I think I kind of watched, I, I think certainly I, I watched a number of things and I kind of came out and I thought, I think I could write... If I sat down to write a thing, I could in many ways make it something like more like what you want to put on. I don't really want to do that, and then you would, and then kind of artistically, you're in an interesting place because you're like, I might get more, I might possibly, it might maybe, albeit very, 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 very fractionally, increase my chances of kind of getting to places quicker. And I thought, yeah, but I don't want to. I, I want. I want to write plays about griffins, um, and, and and that's or you're like you know kind of alternative futures, and that's where I want to go basically. Um, and that's quite an important thing because that's sort of what I've been doing, um, and it's it's really nice because there were there were like for example there was there was a play I saw when I was at the um, I was at the court that in many ways was very good, but which uh, to me let itself down really badly in one very key way that I've now addressed in a play I finished in well actually I did some edits on it today which might be the final edit it ever has who knows but I kind of I kind of took that away and addressed it so 
sometimes things are more influential on you than you imagine and not necessarily because you watched it and you thought it was really good yeah. because it provoked a thing or like you know you might think well that artistically failed it did however provoke me that like I will not do that yeah, no, because I, I find whatever I find that failure to be irresponsible or I know that I, know that I could sit here like I would totally have done that Oh my god, that's you know that that would be so much fun. Well, that would be really difficult, but let's give it a go. I mean, that that sounds very much like my experience of studying theatre at university. Yeah. It was like most of it I didn't like the mm. theatre I was seeing or the yeah. theatre that I was being directed to make. Yeah. But the experience of being tried to like having all of my assumptions questioned yeah. was was really valuable. Yeah. Like I I couldn't see it at the time. Mm. I couldn't probably see it for a, a good five. 10 years mm. afterwards but you know now looking mm. back I think sometimes yeah like coming up against a kind of somebody else's with the way that somebody else makes something mm. <clears throat> it really crystallises what you think and it makes you I think sometimes and sometimes it actually makes you think well mm. you know I, I probably should I probably should justify this somehow. yeah yeah. or like I, I need to kind of refine how I think about this because if you like this, this leaves me open to, to, to like this, this, leaves, this. This is a weakness, basically. Yeah, it's like, there may be a weakness in my philosophy actually, and as well, that doesn't yeah. mean that I'm wrong and I should abandon everything I do. But it does mean I need to think about it more and address that more in things that I do. And yeah. then that's the thing that I can recognise. And I say, well, if I if I'm doing that, that means I'm going down a route of. It's still a thing I do. Like I kind of, I kind of decide what a, a point of view and kind of start to write a play about it, and then you finish and you get to the end of it and go, yeah, this is fine but it's not as interesting as if I'd started off without the point of view because I know where it's going. Yeah. So there is a point maybe about two-thirds of the way through where if you're like you, yourself, and you don't maybe realise it, but you get slightly bored with it because it's doing exactly what you intended to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if it's, if it's arisen more organically, then it's not, not that it's doing what you don't intend it to do, but it starts doing things that are far more interesting than the thing you laid you out. You stop in the having first control place. over it. Yeah. And that's kind of, I, I enjoy that process. <clears throat> I enjoy that experience. Exactly. There's one I've finished, which I was also editing today, um, which is, is, is in that respect kind of very personal and kind of the, 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 the original idea I had for that about two years ago, and it's taken ages just to kind of put it down on paper, and it's going to all sorts of places psychologically that I kind of you don't intend to go to because who does you know if you make the conscious decision to kind of to say I'm going to write a play about how lonely I am you know it changes the nature of how you're writing it if you're right if you just write a thing and someone reads it and go wow that's really that's a really good play about about depression you're like okay I haven't thought about that but in many ways that makes perfect sense because you've kind of arrived at it unconsciously and that kind of shows it's like when you write a serious uh, say a serious monologue and then uh, it gets read out and the room is, is, is laughing yeah you know or you, or you write what you think is a hilarious monologue and everybody's really like yeah. actually brings everyone down and they're really sad it doesn't mean that that's a bad mon- either of those are bad monologues it's no. just, it just means that you didn't have full awareness of what you were doing when yeah. you were writing it mm. yeah and it's kind of it, it's, it's a bit scary kind of embracing that actually um, and one of the one of the things that I've in a way never had a problem with it really is kind of if you like giving my work to someone else for it to be done because I know a yeah, lot of writers I like that too have quite a lot of well you know it's the sort of thing that I think as, as you go forward it sort of eventually breaks down but like 
I don't know. I've never quite sort of got. I've never quite had that. I never, I never kind of think of them as a bit of me in that sense. Or I think like, well, if I'm going to write these things down for other people to be involved with and then never show them to anyone, that is the saddest thing yes. in the world. It's so tragic. So, it's, I think yeah. it's, it's the nature of playwriting though mm. as well. Like it's it's part of the medium of it. Like if you're yeah. if if, you, if you're writing a novel, mm. you know, as I know from from experience, yeah. Yes, okay, you can't control the meaning that the reader will get from it. Yeah. But everything else you do control. Whereas if you're writing yeah. a play, it's going to be performed by actors, it's yep. going to be directed by a director, it's yeah. going to be, you know, it's going to have lighting design, at all it. of these things. It's if you're really lucky, you'll get people coming along to, to actually say how good it is as part of their job. Exactly. You know. And it just where people are in the room, in the mm-hmm. audience, means that they, they get a different view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that just means that, yeah, you as, know. As we talked about earlier, you can't force perspective. Yeah. You can't, if you're doing theatre, you can't make people always look at the thing that you always want them to look at. And I think you have to be completely okay with the fact that, therefore, people can completely miss the point. Well, yeah, I mean, and that and, and that's exciting as well. I, yeah. I mean, that's how I, that was one of the things when I was looking at my friend's play. Like he had a scene where there was nudity on one side of the stage and dialogue on the other, and I was sort of saying to him, "You do realise that the audience are going to be looking <coughs> at the nudity." Like that, that you can't yeah. have nudity on stage and yeah. then important things being said. That'll on the other be side. funny. That, that's, yeah, that's, that's just. The way I don't it's know if that go. is a dramatic choice by by you, but like that's that's how it comes exactly. across. That, and and, like, it, and it I'm wasn't going to have visually arresting thing over here yeah. and something else over here. And it, and it may be. People can look at the visually arresting thing. You can't expect them not to. They will assume that that's what you want them to do. And that actually might be a strength. I mean, it might yeah. be, a, but it has to be a choice uh, yes. for him as a playwright. But then once it goes on on stage again. It might be that you've made that choice because the majority of people will look at the nudity, mm. but there might be someone who is absolutely tuning into the dialogue, completely ignoring the nudity. Yeah, because people just can't go, control them. There's a new person, yeah, fine. Yeah. Or they, or they yeah, watch or, them for like five minutes or, and go, nothing's happening. Yeah, or right, I'm going like, to listen to the I find, I find the nudity offensive. I'm going to cover my, the yeah. side of my face and, yeah, yeah. and listen to the dialogue, which is I'm, I'm, perhaps I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dad of the person who's being nude. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll watch what's over. That's a complicated one. Yes. Yeah, a, a complicated position to be. Yeah, totally. So, how long were you at the Royal Court then? I think when you're on the Young Writers Program, you are on there until you're basically 25. Um, so you started or, when you were 25. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I made sure I got everything out of it that I could. I don't know how it is now. Presumably, like you're on it for the year that you're on it in a way. So if you started like now in March 2013 and this was your first session then you're on it you are officially on the Royal Royal Arts Programme until March 2014 when you stop whatever age you are because I think the age bar's now gone I mean, the thing that's significant about the Royal Court that people who are listening to this who aren't familiar with mm-hmm. theatre might not know is it's one of the few places that does new writing, or specifically its briefers to yeah. uh, to cover new writing. A lot of companies will will do new writing it has as part of the their longest history of doing so. As well. Yeah, exactly, um, and that's why it's kind of a, a prized. Eight. I mean, I was sending off plays mm-hmm. there when I was fourteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, arrogantly thinking that they, you know, that this is well, going to change the world. Well, yeah, because you can't do. <laughs> and, and, you know, why not, in a way? You know, I, I, I sent a play there and I got on their Young Writers Programme. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm fairly cynical a lot of the time. But even I have to go, you know what, actually, I slagged, that, I slagged my uh, three and a half hour, 25 character play off. But clearly, at the point, whatever point I was at, it's all right. So uh, when yeah. I get the Olivier, I'll totally go and put that on. <laughs> just, just to be annoying as much as anything. I had a meeting with them, actually, a few weeks ago about the play that... 
the play I very they gave me a little tiny bit of dramat- dramaturgical advice it's like kind of two bits right at the end that you could change or not and this is like the best dramaturgical advice anyone could ever give a play right <laughs> like, and again it's like well that's about as good as it gets because realistically they are you are not going to send them a play and they'll just put it on no, you want notes. Is... I want notes. Now I want notes. When I was 14, I did not want notes, but that's because I was not yet mature. No, but, no, but, you but, get notes and you're like, I what are you saying? You're saying I'm crap. Yeah, I want notes because I want to make the piece of work better. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that the notes are going to be right either. Like, it's no, like exactly. A... And that's another thing that comes with, if you like, artistic <laughs> maturity. You go, I see where you're coming from, but no. Well, the best thing, I, I always say this, because my, my friend Richard, is, is his way of thinking is he says, like, if, if somebody says that you need to build a bridge... Somebody else might say you need to, to, to dig a tunnel, but what it teaches you is that there's a river. Yes. And then, oh, and, and, oh, that's, and nice. that's great, isn't it? And that's oh, true. It's yeah. like if someone's saying that, it doesn't, that this bit doesn't work, well, it probably doesn't work, but it doesn't mean that their solution is the right way of putting no, it right. No, which means you're, you're a structural engineer. You just love tunnels. Yeah. You would always build a tunnel over yeah. a bridge, wouldn't you? And the other person. Yeah, well, you, you know, and, and you deal with it, and you deal with it in yeah. your way. But you recognise that there's a problem that needs to be negotiated, yes. and, and that's that's and that's that's a maturity thing. I yeah. think it's it's so hard to, to explain <coughs> that to a young person coming oh, up right like when they're a teenager, old person yeah. telling them how they should think. Yeah, um, <laughs> and there's nothing more futile you can do. Really. Yeah, completely. I mean, I'm a lot more kind of amenable to notes now than uh, than I ever was when I was kind of younger. Certainly not because I was necessarily angry about it, but I, I just get very kind of oh, okay, I'll stop now then, shall I? That was, that was just my kind of, my response to it, but you just get more confident as well, yeah. actually. I find that there's, that you know, writers are generally split into people who are, like yourself, kind of turned up, like when they get notes, they're like, oh, <coughs> right, I'm, okay, I'll, get, oh, I'll, I'll stop. And then, they, and then yeah. they sort of deflate, and then, you know, they lick their wounds for a bit, and then they yeah. do the next thing, and they're like, right, this time I'll do it better. Yeah. But, or, or they're like how I used to be, which is like, you know, really you aggro. Like, what? Yeah. What? No, absolutely yeah. wrong. Take, I'm going to show you attack. all. I'm going to take this and I'm going to make it exactly yeah. this way, and everyone will see. But they won't see because they won't. Well, exactly. They're not, they're what, not what actually happen is That's everyone what... will come back with the same sort of problems that the first person brought up. Generally yeah. speaking, because believe it or not, those probably are gen- your genuine weaknesses with your piece of Yeah, work. exactly right. At the same time, though, part of the writing process, part of the reason that we may be maturing <clears> now, is because we've probably put on plays which have had flaws. Yeah, we've seen them live in the room. Yeah. There's nothing worse than seeing the flaws in your play in, with an audience rather than just getting yeah. a few notes on a script you know. exactly like there was, there was a thing I, I produced about four and a half years ago it was one of my own plays it was actually the play I wrote when I was on the Royal Court Young Writers Program and I produced it myself afterwards and I think I think as well you learn you learn kind of context because you're like well that was the best play I could write about that thing yeah it just was yeah but then that's because like comparing me now with how I was in 2008 is not that's, yeah that's not fair yeah, yeah. that's not fair at all to say oh god I was so bad it's like well I don't think you were you were less good than you are now yeah but you were a different stage in your but, time. yeah well, you were but, that, but that's only sensible that yeah. you kind of you progress artistically you've written the best play that you've ever written four years ago and you haven't progressed artistically since I think you've got a problem but yeah like I, and I kind of go yes I like a lot of the themes in that and I like a lot of the, the stuff in it and if, if it went on again I would completely rewrite it yeah because I, it would make it strong although it would. have you ever had that experience <coughs> where you rewrite a play that you wrote a long time ago but you can't make it like it, the original wasn't good but, but now you're in a completely different place yeah you can't make it 
like I, I wrote a play when I was a teenager and I rewrote it a couple of years ago because it was almost it was always my my dad's favourite of my plays when I was oh, yeah, yeah. When I, that I'd written. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring that back. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. make it. And it had adult themes because yeah. I was you know a teenager, so I was yeah, obsessed yeah. with sex and death. Be graphic, yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, so I tried to write it as an adult and. I, I was making it more subtle, and we sort of had a reading yeah. of it with a group of friends, and yeah. it, it didn't work because the things that made it good originally was the innocence of my teenage self, yeah. and I can't. You can't unguard. I, I can't. I can't. I can't capture that. Again. You can't unlearn yeah. the learning processes that you've had yeah. that make you different. So even now. though that was a kind of immature play, <coughs> what would have been enjoyable for an audience was the immaturity about it almost. Yes. Whereas now I can't write that play again, no. so I have to just write new ones, which is yeah, fine. Yeah, which, which is, is good. Fine. You know. <laughs> I, 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 wrote, I wrote a thing. It's, have you seen The Weir by Conor McPherson? Uh, I haven't, but I think I'm a little bit familiar with it. Yeah. Just, what is it? What is it? Oh, it's, it, it's, it was very, I think it was 1997, I think it was at the Royal Court. I never saw it, I've never seen a version of it. It's basically it's this uh, rural Irish bar, and there's a load of ghost stories in it. So okay, yeah, that's right. I think it's, it's actually, I think they're reviving it fairly soon at the Don Mark. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying go because you know it's dogma. It's hard. Um, I probably won't go because I've read it, and so in, in a funny way, I feel less of a desire to go and yeah, see. Yeah, it's weird when you've read a play and then you see it. Yeah, but I kind of one of my reactions to this was, oh, I like ghosts, and this is quite good. So one of my little artistic goals I'm going to set for myself for the rest of my life is to beat this into the ground. But because I like it, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? sure. Like I want to take on this 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 thing that I really like and do a better one. So what I did was I wrote a play set in a village that had 17 different ghost stories in it. It's to do with being the most haunted village in England. It's a very silly idea, but there's a lot of bits in it that I quite like. And I'm still trying to find a way to make that work that actually is engaging. Yeah. Because it's the kind of thing that, that I would find quite interesting if I went and saw it. But then sort of like a, a lot of people are like, yeah, I can see why you find this really interesting. I as I as an everyday human am a bit like you're kind of weird. <laughs> so again, yeah, that's something I wrote a long time ago, and I've not yet found a way. Of, and this applies to other things as well, where I've just kind of had an idea and I've bashed it out, and I've, it's not quite worked. I bashed it out again; it still hasn't quite worked. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because I don't know I did, the idea itself is flawed or what. I kind of end up with things sitting around in states of being that kind of I've not I've not really finished because. I don't know if I can finish them almost but I don't know it might take years for me to work out that actually this idea is really workable or worth pursuing in a I know way. but you have to go sense. through the, that yeah. process that's the thing it's, yeah I mean I know that feeling like yeah you spend years thinking about an idea yeah. and then one day you go oh I can never make it work. Uh, yeah. But now I've exhausted everything about it. I, I feel comfortable. But I'm fine with that. that. Yeah, exactly. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm, I'd rather I'm have really done all this than just kind of not really thought <coughs> about it and spent the rest of my life wondering. And actually something maybe, in, <coughs> you know, in year three, you'll have been exploring one another thing that's mm. led you onto another idea. So it wasn't completely wasted. Yeah, exactly. Even so, yeah. Or like, you know, the, the play, one of the plays I've just finished is based on just a really strange little idea that I had about four years ago. And which I, th- I always wanted to, I did, at the time I remember actually sort of sitting there in, in the office I was at the time thinking about the idea and going I don't know what I can do with that it's a really interesting idea but right now I don't know what to do with that but that's kind of that's kind of fun that's kind of exciting and eventually I've actually finished a play about it four years later it's actually taken place yeah yeah um, it's exciting yeah 
I've had that with some some play ideas. Mm. Although recently I've been working on a play. I'm trying to write this play, which is like my most personal play, but my most impossible to stage. Like it's it's like big budget. You couldn't, oh, do, okay. you know, you couldn't. Li- you lit like you know what you're saying about a, a three and a half hour play with uh, 25 people. It's a bit like that, yeah, but yeah. with pyrotechnics and juggling and yeah. absolutely impossible. Like, is it like very? It's like sort of Sarah Kane esque. Very yeah, kind offhand. of a bit of that, but it's trying to be much more accessible. All of the walls fall down. That sort of thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, which is the right thing, like, people flying to, yeah, yeah. to an extent. Well, that's not, well, unlike Sarah Kane, I totally have worked it out. But, <laughs> like, it's not the director's problem how to do it, it's the director's yeah. problem of finding a 12 year old boy that's got good, good wire work skills, yeah. and, uh, like an, an old man who can do somersaults and juggle and is, is yeah. comfortable with full nudity. Like, it's, it's very hard to play to stage, but it's, it's just weird to like be making, like, I didn't want to be making this play. Yeah. You, know, you know that feeling where you're like, yeah. I want to make accessible stuff and I'm making the least yeah. accessible, the most personal, and it's, and it's just trying to, trying to, 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 to make that work. And it's yeah. just like, maybe I'll achieve it. But Good luck. Yeah, I know, but I don't know. But, but even if I achieve it on paper, <coughs> You know, then I, I have think to, as well. How do I persuade someone else to like do it? It's like we were saying about like kind of something not being necessarily what you want it to be. You know, you kind of you don't think of it as necessarily being very accessible, and then like kind of it's actually one of the things you give to people. They just go, "Oh, I totally get that." Yeah, it's almost, it's almost in spite now. of everything that you think would stand in the way of that, because if you like. You've you've not worried about making it accessible. It has become more accessible than something that you might otherwise. Something person but just anyone might spend more time trying to engage people yeah well sometimes the most personal stuff is the most universal yeah that's all I yeah, can absolutely. hope that's all I can hope for this play is that <laughs> it will turn out to be universal yeah I mean yeah this, this always happens when I talk to writers I just end up talking <laughs> about writing for a long time but sort of doing like a brief tour of some other things oh, yeah. about you so you come from Malvern I do it's a small town isn't it I've never been there it is a small town it's yes. in the Midlands it's in the Midlands they make water there they water, is, water comes out the hill no one makes no one makes yeah there's a spring here. yeah it's where Morgan cars are from the little uh, kind of sporty monster that is, might still be the only domestically produced UK car what was it like growing up in Malvern uh, well, it was interesting because I, I was born in Kent and I sound like a person from Kent and actually if you get me in a room with enough people from Malvern you might actually start to detect that I don't quite talk like someone who is from Worcestershire. Like I've, I've got what I'd consider to be just, if you like, a kind of very nondescript kind of RP, South East England yeah. sort of accent. I moved from, uh, moved from Maidstone when I was about one and uh, out of my family I believe one of my parents wanted to go to Northern. the other one wanted to go to Stirling in uh, Scotland okay so so that, that's just one of those kind of it's an interesting life choice that would have affected me very profoundly but about which I would have been able to do absolutely nothing so yeah we ended up in Northern and uh, it, was, it, was, it was fine I think I mean it was pretty it was I miss I miss being kind of near the countryside sometimes you know that's that's quite nice but on the other hand I think there's I always had a sensation of I want to be somewhere important you know like every so often you see a plane going over and that's quite exciting because you think I wonder where they're going I wonder what they're doing I bet they're doing something really important and 
I think the other thing was that uh, Malvern, as a, maybe as opposed to a lot of places, or maybe similarly to other places, kind of had just a direct line right way down the band. For some reason, you know, it starts off in, um, I think it was Hereford, and then comes to Worcester, various places after that, and eventually goes to Valentin. So I think I always had a sensation of Wolverine was a little quiet, kind of pretty place where nothing very much happened, and the interesting, the interesting stuff was going down elsewhere. So that's kind of how... That's kind of how I thought it. It sort of affects you the most, I think, in your teenage years, doesn't it? Because I lived in the countryside <coughs> when I was a, a young child, and it's fun yeah. then. Oh, Cause, yeah, cause, yeah, yeah. Because the countryside is things to do when you're you just run around five wild animals, yeah. colours. Yeah, it, it, it is it is beautiful. But then when you get to be a teenager, it's like you know, like my brother had that experience of being a teenager in yeah. the countryside, and there's no you know no pubs or clubs. Oh or my god! Everyone knows everybody as or well. Like, I think as well, it's like well, in order to leave here, I either have to drive, yeah, which means I can't drink, yeah, that sucks, or it means I can go on the on the bus or the train to the nearest city. I have to leave at ten. And that's also a bit rubbish. Yeah. And I was I was not a wild child by any estimation, but I kind of I kind of knew that then I kind of knew that was not how I wanted my life to be. You know, you know, you know how. And I think because you know, like it was wait, wait, what about half an hour on a train to Worcester? Probably about it was slightly more than that on a train to Birmingham. And getting to London took, 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 took and still does take about two and a half hours, so that's just not really something that was practical. I think there was very much a sense of, well, I have to travel to get to places that are a bit better, but it's still not ultimately, uh, still not ultimately amazing. With the greatest respect to Worcester, which is a very nice place. Sure. So yeah, it, it did it did sort of affect me, and I think I was I was aware that yeah, thing thing exciting things were happening places that that I wasn't and. I went to so so. I went to university in Norwich uh, as, a, as a response to this, which actually it sounds it does it usually sounds a little bit funny, but actually it was really nice. Yeah, I know a few people who went yeah. to Norwich actually. It's a lovely place. It is. It's not very big, but it is very pretty. It's quite chilled out, and actually culturally, it's it really punches above its weight in a lot of senses. Yeah, I've heard like, it's probably yeah. smaller than Worcester, maybe or about the same size, but it's it's a lot more it's a lot more dynamic. I guess it's to do with the actual the university being there. Partly the university, but it's got like it's got one or two theatres and it's got a few cinemas and it had. So I think it's punching above Lancaster's way. Well, well. it probably is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think, but I think maybe just geographically as well. It's kind of it's a sort of a bigish city in in the middle of quite a large area of the country. It's the the capital of Norfolk, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Well, it's the capital. It's argued to be the capital of East Anglia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would if you're like talking to an Norwich person now. They would say it's the capital of East Anglia. (laughs) Absolutely. So you get you know bands would play there. Bands who are not bands who are doing like four UK dates might play in Norwich. I mean, not not less likely than playing in like Manchester. But then someone someone like Lancaster maybe would have a bit of a problem there because if you're going to play some dates in the northeast of England, you're going to play Manchester. So so Norwich was 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 really good like that. And then I moved to uh, moved to Leeds for no better reason really than a friend of mine at the time. And I'd finished. I'd done my law degree at this point, and I'd done an MA. Um, and I then. It's a very noisy child, but anyway, yes. Well, they're excited. Actually. Yeah, it's good. There's, loads of lo- there's a lot more children here at this time of uh, the day than I expected. I guess it's because it's a Saturday. Yeah, uh, it's quite early on cool. a Saturday as well as it goes. Yeah, and the rain stops. But it's a bit like my. Uh, it's a bit like you know, busman's holiday for me because I I work with kids under five, oh. so I so so it's, it's like 
I'm still hearing no sounds yeah. and it's the, it's the weekend but yeah uh, but yeah um, sorry no that's fine um, and then yeah we moved up to I did I did a I did law degree and then I did an MA in theatre and had discovered UEA Drama Society by this point which was also great in a lot of ways and then moved up to up to Leeds because a friend of mine had to be moving there and I thought I thought I think I was just like I'd been there for about four years and I thought I could go now actually I have a feeling if I stay I'll be looking for my next opportunity to leave right and not being funny it'll be slightly easier moving in with someone else in a completely different city than going by myself yeah it just is a bit easier so then that happened and then yeah when I was in Leeds just a room came up with a friend in London and I happened to move down so it's I've been very I've been very kind of reactive like that rather than if you like pushing forward with things myself but even so yeah I, I, I just kind of have gradually become aware that I kind of I need a bit of change and a bit of variety oh yeah um, I think that's healthy and London does it now and I think I think it was always going to be sort of a question of when I arrived in London so if I still hadn't lived in London by this point I'd have felt I'd have, I'd have felt a bit bad I'd have felt if I'd let myself down slightly if you want to try and get into the art scene yeah. or whatever way at some point you're probably going to have to come to London maybe Manchester yeah. but you know you could get away with being in Manchester yeah maybe Edinburgh yeah. as well but the, 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 but really it has to be one of the big art cities you yeah know? yeah you can't London's do. the biggest it's, it's a shame in a way because it sort of shouldn't be like that and I do have lots of respect for people who if you like through choice rather than if you, if you like kind of having a family yeah Lincolnshire or wherever so it means you kind of have to stay there because you, you know you don't want to balance out your your needs with uprooting your entire family and bring them with you but if you like people who, who make a point of writing in a place that is very personal to them but if they make it they'll be coming to London quite regularly I mean this is the thing yeah. they'll, they'll be on the train they'll be coming to London so often that they'll be like I kind of might as well live in London yeah. why? well I'm down there most weeks Yeah. actually which is a good thing yeah. it does however mean that all of the money I'm making from being creative is going which I on my train at, travel, yeah. I'm blowing on my season ticket in a yeah. really amazing way I mean people I knew would kind of I, th- I think uh, on some level not really understand why it was that I was looking to move from being to, to if you like a really big pond where I would be a much smaller fish Yeah, and I think on, on, to be completely honest, on many levels, I thought, well, anything I achieve anywhere else, I'd, I'd rather, I'd rather do that. Again. I'd rather do that at the really highest level, yeah, and, and do kind of less well than think. I never really bothered. Also, there's more challenge, isn't there? Yeah, it's much more, like any, like you know, at school I was the biggest fish. Yeah. Uh, when I went to university, suddenly I wasn't, and that's actually. Initially, it was shocking, but actually, it was yeah. was really good for my uh, creative yeah. development. I, I if I had a, yeah, exactly, and that's yeah. and then that happens every stage down the <coughs> way. You know, like you you get to be a big fish at university, and then you go into the real world, and guess what? Yeah, and then they're designing <laughs> again, and they change jobs. Yeah, exactly, that yeah, whole yeah. sort of thing. And so you studied law. You said. I did law degree. Yeah, and, I mean, and then you gave up law. Well. I think the thing was, I came out of A levels not really knowing what I wanted, what, not not knowing what I wanted to do particularly. I'd done at A level, I'd done English language, history, and economics, which was setting yourself up very nicely for just doing something like English literature or history. But I thought actually, no, I, I want. I, I think I, I had a very clear sense of like, I want to do something that I think might be useful, or something that will teach me some stuff, and maybe something that I haven't really done so that I can learn about it from from scratch. Yeah. Rather than kind of doing history where you're like, oh, sort of then I'll be slightly bored 
so actually I'll start you know, I'll kind of start over and, and they, they sort of prefer that like very few places do like an A-level law but actually certainly at the time they sort of preferred it if you hadn't done that because I was really learning a kind of you learn a thing as an A-level standard yeah. and then you go and learn it at a degree standard and it's sort of similar but it's harder you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so so I did that and um, I think I knew at quite an early stage that I, I I think I had a sort of an idea that I might go into law but I think certainly by the end I was like well I don't think I want to work specifically in law but this degree's been really interesting and really useful and it's taught me a bunch of interesting stuff well it teaches, probably teaches you some really uh, important theatre skills you know in terms of mm. counter argument argument and how that works it, you know what it probably like has actually the more I think about it uh, the more I think because I love I love moral ambiguity in more or less everything and if, if, if there is an opportunity to make something more, more morally uncertain that a piece of art in my view doesn't take up I will not forgive it so uh, <laughs> trying to watch it go yeah that, that's the evil guy yeah why, what if he's not yeah, that exactly. kind of thing yeah, no, right. I just find that a lot more interesting I think probably is if you like having done law and saying well there's an argument for more or less everything no there is yeah. there, there is there is genuinely an argument for more or less everyone's behaviour it, it may not be sufficient but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. No, and you can um, put it into a character's mouth, and it doesn't, you know, and then yeah. and then you can explore that, that. Exactly, and so like, you know, there's a very valuable thing to be done in kind of, and this is a thing that I again I've, I've learned kind of more in the last few years that I've been writing plays properly is. I've gone gone well actually. If I have start off a play with a point of view, why 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 am I wrong? It's more interesting to write a play about. If you like about there's there's, a, there's an issue about which you feel passionate. This is not it's not necessarily easy, but actually sit down and go right. Not why maybe not why am I wrong? But what's the flip side of this? Yeah. Well, you challenge your own argument. You do. You challenge well, your own argument. And I think. Interesting. I think even if you're writing a play about, like, I had an idea for not a very long thing, but I had an idea it was about Atos, and basically it's two people sitting around a table, um, one of whom has kind of medium to advanced level symptoms of, of MS and the other one's the ATOS assessor and there's, on, the piece of, on the table is a piece of paper and a pen they're both staring at it and the point of this basically is that the ATOS assessor needs to get their kind of people back to work up. and the kind of the flight of fancy I've taken is that the ATOS assessor has just convinced himself that they can move like they can like Professor X move the pen by the power of their mind and, and it's kind of it's a metaphor for like the kind of the idea that well you know they can no you know that such and such a person might not be bet, any more better able to walk than they can move something with the power of their mind, but might still be held suitable for work that kind of thing. And I think in that instance it's like well not not saying why that person is right why what is what is the background to the culture that explains why the person would think that was an okay why the ATOS assessor would think that's an okay thing to think yeah. Because then you're actually addressing the problem. If I just, if you know, if you just write a play saying ATOS are bad, that's fine. You know, and that will make me happy on some levels. It make you happy on some levels. Many people will just go, yay, obviously. But then there's, you're right. You're kind of writing your play for a room full of people who kind of disagree. Yeah, who agree? It's really annoying. yeah, and it's not like there's no benefit to that. No, you know, but that doesn't that helps you develop far less than going. 
yeah, but if I write a play about the human beings who work for it, yeah, exactly, and why they're in that situation, the culture that enables, then, then actually you get someone empathising with someone that you wouldn't think they wouldn't think was necessarily possible. That actually does get you thinking slightly differently. Like there's a, there's a play at the Royal Court I saw relatively recently where it kind of made a lot of very forceful arguments that fundamentally I and probably yourself and a lot of a lot of people would agree with. And I, but I did find myself sitting there going, yeah, and, you, you know, I find myself actually thinking more about, yeah, but, you know, you know on, a, like, on a really serious level, can we get someone really, really smart who maybe does agree with all of this but actually can put that aside to write a play about why the current system of capitalism that we have is fine and is the best idea? Why? Because that's a challenge. Yeah, sure. Because there's... Because, no, because nobody agrees with that you probably won't agree with it yourself the writer but I'd like to see you do that that's kind of the point is to kind of put me in the position of someone is to make me empathise with someone that I hadn't necessarily thought about empathising with yeah and if, if and, and, you know it might it doesn't necessarily have to be an endorsement necessarily but if it says look if, even if it's on the level of well this is this is like all these people have ever known if you go to anyone at all and you say your entire philosophy means nothing they get incredibly scared yeah. and really defensive yeah. and they keep doing what they're doing yeah. because otherwise their life is pointless it's like arguing with you know the it's, like, it's, it's in a way kind of like arguing really really kind of strong atheism with a religious person it's like they're not going to accept that no, right? because that is the point of their life and it, it, it that won't achieve anything you know, you, you or just kind of if someone came up to you and said your life's completely pointless, yeah, would you I get a bit a bit defensive and a bit aggressive, and just you you then just end up having a row? Well, yeah, of course you would, because you haven't kind of you haven't kind of thought that's that's just a kind of an all-out attack. No one will learn anything. And if you can actually see, well, actually, no, you use this, you know, kind of religion for you or banking or whatever it is is kind of that's how that's how your entire education's been defined. It's how you lived your life for forty-five years. I can completely see how asking you to give this up is really, really, is really, really hard. You know, it's on that level, it's like an addiction. You know, I have lived my life for 45 years around being an alcoholic. Yeah, so if yeah. you take all my alcohol away, never let me drink again, guess what? In the immediate short term, that makes me incredibly stressed out, really, really angry, and I'm going to need to drink way more. No, absolutely. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and then actually, it's, I mean, I think that's one of the, the one of the, the delights of, 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 of working with characters mm. and dialogue yeah. is that you can have dialogues, you can have yeah. uh, debate rather than making simple and uh, simple, straightforward yeah. kind of uh, arguments. And, and, and a lot of them, my favourite mm. play, plays, do that. Yeah. And I mean, it, it also works on the personal level. Like when I was growing up, I wrote a play about my family, mm. and I think it was an incredibly therapeutic uh, yeah. experience to write in the character of my mother yeah. and try and understand why she might feel the way she feels and then you know other characters and 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 have my own you know the character based on myself in there and actually you know i'm not always sympathetic when i actually put myself on paper yeah. you know whereas in my life down, I feel like, oh i said this yeah actually that's not exactly yeah. that was such a horrible thing to say <coughs> to my mum at yeah. that point that really really exactly. was and so it was an interesting it's experience like, yeah. and, and and to f- try and work out why people to give 
your you know real life people mm. the, the kind of the kind of leeway that you want to give a character and then sort of taking real people and trying yeah. to understand them uh, in a similar way actually yeah. I, I found very therapeutic although I, mm. I agree it's not not necessarily everybody's uh, everybody's therapy choice well yeah, but yeah it worked really well for me it worked in a lot of ways I mean but yeah it, it's kind of more productive to I'm a very passionate believer that there's no such thing as kind of evil in that sense. Like you know, if you if you have if you're writing anything at all, there's a character who's basically just evil. I mean, if if it's kind of set up as a bit of fun, fine. But if you're trying to make a serious point, don't have evil people because that doesn't really exist. Well, I don't think evil exists. No, I no, mean, exactly. if evil actions, not evil people. Yeah, and and even evil actions are a complicated yeah. statement to make. You know? Exactly. It's like uh, you know, we we could equally be having uh, an argument about why why you know, David Cameron is, is is a bit of an idiot. But then you're like, well, okay, just consider how he's lived his life. Why would he think like me? Yeah. You know, he's a product of his upbringing. He's same a as everyone of his else. Upbringing. So, <laughs> to an extent, he can't do a lot about that. Actually, if you like, he would it would need kind of substantial kind of strength of mind to have gone against stuff that he's just learned because that's the background he's from. And again, it's that sort of if you take away everything from someone's life that they've assumed to be true, mm-hmm. they get really, really scared. And the more you try and take it away, the scareder they'll get, and the more they'll try and hang on to it. So, and then kind of you're not saying. You know, David Cameron is, is is an evil person. He's like, he's he's a frightened little boy who doesn't know what he's doing. And then, you know, it's still kind of in a pejorative sense. But then, like, well, okay, that means that it 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 it, it does kind of offer it. It lends it complexities that people you kind of need to see. Otherwise, you just see people as being as being essentially good or essentially bad. Yeah, and that's a very comforting thing to get into. To say this person is evil, they must be fought. And it, and it situates yourself outside yes. of that as well. It's like, well, David Cameron's an idiot, but I'm not an idiot because I know that he's an idiot. Exactly. Well, no, maybe you know, maybe we're all in in it Guess together what? in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd probably do a load of things that are stupid. Um, yeah. You know, which, which he wouldn't do because not being funny, he knows more about politics than you do, and he maybe he maybe is in that sense better at negotiating. Yeah. Right. Being in charge of a coalition government probably has to do it quite a lot. Does he do that successfully? Maybe. Does he do that in a way that you like? Probably no, not. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it is a sort of... It is essential, and it is hard. It's really hard to, to kind of consciously try to do something that isn't necessarily what you want to do, or to actually, if you like, put yourself out there. I think... What, what I was do you know Karl Popper? Uh, yeah, I think I do. It's the black swan theory that uh, my girlfriend introduced me to ages ago, and it's kind of it's been going around my head ever since. The theatre needs more of it, in the sense of the next swan down the river will be white. Hardy, I can't remember now. She she she, she killed me, but um, and it's sort of proving that your argument is wrong. Like any good piece of research sets out with, we think this. Why are we wrong? what evidence can we come up with that indicates that our hypothesis is valid and then you test all that and if you find actually we have tested all the evidence we can think of and it turns out our hypothesis is valid so yeah but we set out specifically to prove that it wasn't or okay, yeah I've heard that mm. I've definitely heard that approach within, <coughs> within science yeah um, and there are you don't you know, set out to prove that you're right you set to find evidence to that says you're right your thought, because your unbelievably theory, yeah. you're quite good at finding that it's finding evidence that you're wrong that is is a lot more challenging. It makes you ask questions about it, and that's the thing that a lot of theatre doesn't really do for me enough of. Is 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 kind of take its own 
thing that it's trying to say and say, well, 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 well why, why isn't this correct? And I, I don't do it all the time. No. Uh, well, I don't even necessarily think it's valuable to do it all the time. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's definitely something that yeah. you know, should be done a lot. I think you if know, you're it setting depends out on what you're trying to say, yeah. what kind of. Not everything's an argument. As no, well. no, not, no. Not everything's a. Like, my, the, the, my personal piece is very much about, mm. you know, a personal journey of discovery yeah. that I went through. Well, that's fine. That doesn't have to be. Uh, well, I can. Cha- I am challenging myself yeah. and my own, my own assumptions. That's mm. kind of what it's about. But it, it doesn't have to be that kind of a. It doesn't. It can be about this is what I've learned, and now I'm going to share that learning yeah. process. But with it's me. in the context of me. Exactly. All of this is done through the context of me. Exactly. But if um, I'm doing something about society, yeah. then then that's something a big statement exactly. about how people are. Then you you kind of you know, if you were a social scientist, people would expect you to prove that was the case. Yeah. And the simple fact that oh. you, and I don't think it's fair to get out of that by saying, but I'm an artist. No. I work in stuff that's made up. And also there's the idea of letting the audience decide for themselves yeah. what they think. Exactly. And, and, and you can't not be in that situation. You can be as polemic as you like and the audience yeah. are still going to decide what they think. Exactly. Um, and they may be put I, off you know, by your polemic. I love DV8, but when I saw them in the National Theatre the other year with their most recent piece, I was so put off by their polemic. Yeah. And even though I may have agreed with some little bits of it and some yeah. of it I thought were too extreme or whatever but yeah. because they didn't allow me to make up my own mind I you was respect for them yeah I was it's like, put up you, you can do this you, you can you could give me the information that I need to work this out for myself and it would be a more subtle and a far more interesting piece of work it yeah. would be harder to make but not being funny it's your job <laughs> you know don't, 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 don't kind of don't kind of give yourselves an easy ride yeah. because because why are you doing that? Because actually you're letting me down slightly. Me as someone that, that might quite, you know, I might hate your work, I might quite like it. Either way, you're not giving me the information I need to work out how I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, which, you know, uh, it, 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 doesn't make for, it doesn't make for interesting theatre when yeah. the two characters that you're listening <coughs> to agree, but never mind. Yeah. This isn't theatre, this is a podcast. So, yeah, I mean, there's a few... There's a, there's a few areas that I'll, I'll, I'll have to save to another, another occasion Top if one ever, ever arises because we've, 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 we're certainly going over time and today yeah. I'm doing sort of back-to-back conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm more, 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 more stuck by time than normal. Mm. The last question that I ask oh, people right, yeah. is do you have anything to plug? <laughs> Which people have taken to be literal and talked about their own uh, projects, they projects, but yeah. but also people have, have taken that in a kind of more general way. Yeah. I mean, in a way, we we've been plugging already because we've, yeah. you've been talking about the idea of, of playwrights making stuff that that challenges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, that sort of thing. I, I don't actually. No, if you asked me this more or less any time last year, I'd probably have had a show coming up that I could uh, I could reel off something about. But I I, I don't at the moment. But you do 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 shows quite frequently, so I will contact you when I'm sort of going to put this out. Because the fact that you haven't given me a, a plug means that there's no specific time to no, put it out. No, it's which like, means that it could I've be a while. Next week. So yeah. by, by, by the time I get back to you, I may be able to add on a little bit at the end saying Duncan's got to play in this. Yeah, place yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's been a real pleasure getting better acquainted with you, Duncan. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've sort of sat down one on one and had a conversation yeah, before, so it. it's been interesting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the last thing I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. This conversation was recorded in March 2013 and both me and Duncan will no doubt have very different circumstances in many ways now and 
My circumstances have certainly changed, so when we recorded this conversation, I had a day job. I worked with the under fives, as I mentioned, whereas now I am a freelancer because the job that I had was cut by the Conservative government, led by David Cameron, who we were very sympathetically considering him as a human and part of a system and why we might want to think of him not as evil. But as I said, you know, my point of view on it is, you know, there aren't any evil people, but there are evil actions. And certainly I don't want any mistake to be made when listening back to this conversation that myself and probably Duncan as well endorse in any way the actions of the Conservative government. I mean, clearly, Duncan's talk about ATOS or ATOS, I don't really know how to to say it, was not sympathetic to the way that disabled people are being attacked by government policy in this country at the moment. So, yeah, I'm no longer working with kids. I am a freelancer. If you want to hire me to do many different things that I do, including making podcasts, training people how to make podcasts, making theatre, writing things, journalism, editing, hosting nights. There are many things I can do. So have a look over at my website and find out more about that. www.davepickeringstoryteller.co.uk I'm always up for new ideas, new projects, new things to be working on. I'm currently, in fact, working on some theatre. I'm making some theatre, which I'm sure I will talk more about in upcoming weeks. When I contacted Duncan, he doesn't really have anything that's currently going on, which is a shame because he's just recently had some shows happening. But if you want to find out when his shows are, be kept up to date with what's going on with Duncan, you can follow him at Duncan underscore gates on twitter and he writes blogs at the things that are not there dot wordpress dot com you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.